Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, always broadcasting from the Cellmark Studios, along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield news team. We are your audio newspaper. Episode 100 is closing in on us. It's episode 95 right now. We thank you for being here. Coming up on this episode, it's Mansfield news, sports, and weather for the upcoming week. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win $25 in Primo Bucks, redeemable at El Primo's or The Vault, with our Mansfield trivia question. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. MISD heightens security measures at all district schools. Early voting has begun in Mansfield. Fatal crash closes 360 service road for hours. When will the resurfacing of Heritage Parkway be completed? The COVID-19 epidemic is declining in Mansfield. In sports, we have the results of last week's MISD football games and who plays this week. Coming up in the features section. Science reporter Dennis Webb ponders the question, do you believe in science part three i'm katrina brown this week on your texas health tip of the week we are talking about seeking out healthy opportunities during our workday because there is no elevator to success you must take the stairs microsoft has just released windows 11 and that has absolutely nothing to do with what i'm going to talk about today i'm home improvement specialist terry radswin and we'll get to that in the ask terry segment later in the show. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, I'll be talking about a cocktail that started out as a long-lost cocktail and ended up as a fable. We have the seven-day weather forecast, and in the talk segment, Steve talks with a former Mansfield resident who has chosen to move abroad. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Did you know Southwestern Adventist University is located right in our backyard? With a small, safe campus, SWAU provides a Christ-centered learning environment with hands-on experiences and dedicated professors. For a limited time, local freshmen enrolling for fall 2021 will receive a stackable $3,000 scholarship. Interested in becoming a nurse? Earn your bachelor's in nursing at Southwestern Adventist University. Learn more at swau.edu. Hey Mansfield, Sonia here from Wise Wellness. Did you know that Wise Wellness is now mobile? Yep, we have changed our business model to best serve our clients. That means you can order online and usually have it delivered within 24 hours or less. We're bringing the best CBD tinctures, topicals, edibles, and pet products directly to your door. Visit our website at wisewell.com to see our selection. That's W-Y-S-E-Well.com. Got pain? Need sleep? Does your pet have storm or separation anxiety? We've got you covered. Don't forget about our specialty, Tom's Treats. These little gems of goodness can help promote better sleep and overall wellness. With six main ingredients and no preservatives, they're the best around. Give us a call at 682-313-4767, visit the website, or reach out to us on social media to connect. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, use the promo code AMPOD to buy one, get one free on our website. Again, that's wisewell.com, W-Y-S-E, well.com. Hi, I'm Karen Marcucci, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. Mansfield ISD Superintendent Dr. Kimberly Cantu says the district is making some security changes in its schools that students will be noticing soon in the wake of the shooting at Timberview High School two weeks ago. 
the district announced three major changes to enhance safety and security at schools, including more law enforcement officers on campuses, more staff trained to monitor indoor surveillance cameras, and random classroom checks at secondary schools with metal detector wands to check for weapons and other unauthorized objects. The school district has scheduled a safety and security town hall meeting for the evening of Thursday, October 21st. The panel includes Dr. Cantu, school board president Michelle Newsom, the three chiefs of police from MISD, Arlington, and Mansfield Police Departments, among others. The meeting will start at 6 p.m. at the MISD Center for the Performing Arts. For more details, visit our website, aboutmansfield.com, and click on the Links tab. Early voting has begun in Mansfield. For what, you ask? There are eight state propositions ranging from homestead tax exemptions for the surviving spouse of a U.S. Armed Services member who is fatally injured in the line of duty, to the way organizations conduct charitable raffles at rodeo venues. The big ballot item locally is the Mansfield ISD voter approval tax rate election, also known as the penny swap, which will restructure the MISD tax rate, moving 13 pennies from interest and sinking to the maintenance and operations side. The penny swap will generate over $24 million annually in additional revenue to pay for staff salaries, instructional programs, utilities, and supplies, as well as repairs and fuel. To learn more about the penny swap, visit misdpennyswap.org. Early voting runs through October 29th, and election day is Tuesday, November 2nd. A 31-year-old man has been arrested and charged with three counts of intoxication manslaughter and three counts of failure to stop and render aid, accident involving death, after a three-car crash Saturday morning in Mansfield. At around 7.30 a.m. on Saturday morning, the driver of a vehicle stopped on the service road of southbound Highway 360 just before Holland Road after experiencing car trouble. A second vehicle stopped directly behind the first car to render assistance. While they were working on the vehicle, the driver of an SUV collided into the back of the second car, which then collided with the disabled car. After this collision, the driver of the SUV ran away on foot. A 28-year-old man who was working on the vehicle was trapped underneath the car. Paramedics pronounced him deceased at the scene. A pregnant woman, who was the mother of the man's unborn child, was severely hurt in the crash. Paramedics transported her to a local hospital and delivered the baby, but unfortunately the mother and her baby did not make it. Mansfield police officers found and arrested the 31-year-old man who caused the chain reaction crash. Field sobriety tests were conducted, and he was determined to be intoxicated. When will the resurfacing of Heritage Parkway be completed? It's a popular question among Mansfield citizens who use that stretch of road between 287 and Main Street. The city reports that the two westbound lanes of Heritage Parkway will be constructed due to pavement conditions. A sidewalk will be included on the north side of the roadway. Utility relocations are complete and paving is underway. The new concrete lanes are expected to be open to traffic in mid-December, with the project being complete by the end of the year. To see the full road report, visit our website, aboutmansfield.com, and click on the Links tab. In other news, the Friends of the Mansfield Public Library Organization is hosting their annual One City, One Book celebration Thursday night with an evening with New York Times best-selling author Paulette Giles.
Ms. Giles will discuss her book, News of the World, as well as her craft, followed by a Q&A session and autographs. It all takes place at the Legacy High School Performing Arts Center. The event is free, but seating is limited. We have a link on our website to register for the free tickets. A Grand Prairie police officer died Monday morning at Methodist Mansfield Hospital from complications associated with COVID-19. Officer Andy McDonald served for more than 22 years and most recently served in the department's community services division. McDonald was heavily involved in engaging with the community and played an integral part in planning annual National Night Out celebrations. McDonald is survived by his wife. Meanwhile, the COVID-19 epidemic continues use its decline here in Mansfield with the numbers. Here's science reporter Dennis Webb. Dennis. Thank you, Steve. The city of Mansfield saw a pause in several weeks of decrease in weekly new cases. This past week was reported at 136 new cases. Back in May, this number was below 50 each week. One new fatality here this past week, much lower than recent weeks. The whole month of June saw only one fatality in Mansfield, so we may still be at the deadly back end of our fourth wave in a local COVID-19 epidemic. Everybody hoped there would not be a fourth wave, but we got one peaking early in September. I hope there is not another wave, but no one really knows what is to come. 51% of Mansfield citizens, 12 and older, are fully vaccinated, a minimal increase from the previous week. Mansfield Independent School District identified 109 active cases among students and staffs. This is the fifth week this number has gone down. Tarrant County's overall trend suggests the same decline from the fourth wave. In Tarrant County, 630 fellow citizens were in one of the county's hospitals with the virus at the end of last week. This is the sixth week of decline in this number. 96 fellow Tarrant County citizens were reported to have passed away from the virus this past week, a decline from a recent plateau. The county's test positivity rate has dropped to 14%. The first recent decline, though it still means a lot of citizens can pass the virus to another, but may not know that they are infectious. Community spread remains estimated as high. Texas statewide trends are similar. Tarrant County public health officials recommend that all eligible citizens get vaccinated. Vaccination is the best way any of us have to prevent the next wave. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. In sports, it was a tough week for MISD football last week. One win, four losses in district football. Lakeridge topped the Mansfield football Tigers 44-37. Legacy was outscored by Centennial 28-7. And Timberview was downed by Alito 35-21. In a tight game, Summit was nipped by Colleyville Heritage, 35-34. Having scored a touchdown with less than two minutes left in the game, Summit head coach Shannon Hall took a chance to take the lead in the game by going for a two-point conversion. It was a go-big or go-home decision. We're on the road. Um, you know, they got close to blocking some some kicks uh, there. There's a lot of time left on the clock, so we just wanted to put, put the pressure on them. We were going to need a stop either way it goes to win, um, so we just went for it. We felt like... Uh, we knew what was going to happen, what they were going to do, and we just didn't execute at the end. It happens. Um, and so, you know, we got we had a chance, though. So At home this Friday night, under the lights, Summit goes head-to-head with Red Oak, 7 p.m. at Newsom Stadium. Lake Ridge takes on Waco, 7.30 at R.L. Anderson. On the road this week, Legacy plays at Midlothian. The Mansfield football Tigers travel to Waxahachie, and Timberview heads to Globe Life Field to play Arlington Seguin. Just a reminder, you can always find the MISD football schedule for all five district teams on our website aboutmansfield.com under the links tab. And I want to invite you to come on out to
to El Primo's on Monday nights and be a part of the studio audience for the Coach's Corner, where we talk high school football with the coaches and the players. The show kicks off at 6.30 p.m. It's also streamed right here on the About Mansfield podcast Facebook page. Saturday is National Make a Difference Day, where organizations all across the country pick up the tools required to help others during this weekend. The expression of love for each other through support and good old elbow grease is sometimes all we need to make a difference. So how does one observe National Make a Difference Day? You can volunteer in your community or perhaps for a nonprofit organization. Be a mentor helping a youth or another professional to gain new skills. Make a donation to a charity with meaning to you. Say a kind word of support to someone who is struggling. Or put your skills to work. Sometimes our hobbies can bring joy to others in ways we least expect it. Let's check the seven-day forecast with a woman who has made a difference in this community in many ways. Colleen? Let's take a look at the weather for the next seven days in Mansfield, Texas. Apparently, late this weekend and into early this week, we were experiencing fake fall with those crisp morning temperatures and blissful, perfect afternoons that were below our normal highs in the upper 70s. For the rest of the week, however, temperatures are going to creep back up into pretty much the still summer range with above average highs in the mid to low 80s and lows in the mid to upper 60s with a slight increase in humidity. There's a chance of rain overnight Wednesday into Thursday as a cold front comes through. Meanwhile, the Tarrant Regional Water District says that sprinklers can be left off this week. Cooler temperatures and good rainfall last week means there's plenty of moisture in the soil. There are probably just a couple of weeks left in the year where watering the lawn will be needed. Be sure your sprinklers are working correctly and not wasting water. You can view a map of watering recommendations for North Texas as well as water-saving tips at waterisawesome.com. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. Reporter Dennis Webb talks science. Health specialist Katrina Brown has the Texas Health Tip of the Week. Home Improvement Specialist Terry Radswin presents the Ask Terry segment. And Brian Certain serves up a cocktail to remember. Also coming up later in the episode, the Mansfield trivia question. And Steve talks with a former Mansfield resident turned expat now living in Central America. Stay with us. We're back in 60 seconds. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. Your logo or emblem defines who you are, so why not show it off with custom printed shirts? I'm Dana Wood with Ohana Screen Printing. We are a custom screen printing company and can print your design or help you create a new design. While t-shirts are our specialty, we can print on all kinds of apparel such as masks, hoodies, bags, you name it. Ohana means family and that's exactly why we started Ohana Screen Printing, to bring our family and community together through creative expression. We look forward to adding you to our family. Rest assured that when you do business with Ohana Screen Printing, that your dollars stay local as we are a family-owned business based right here in Mansfield. If you're part of a business, organization, or sports team looking to make a visual presence, hit us up on Facebook or ohanascreenprinting.com. That's ohanascreenprinting.com. Hi, this is John Teixeira with Teixeira Property Management, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Let's head on over to the science desk where reporter Dennis Webb ponders the question, do you believe in science? Part three. 
Dennis. Thank you, Steve. In this discussion, we're exploring how we view whether science is good or bad, which kind of depends on how the progress of science affects our human lives. A few years ago, popular science writer Neil deGrasse Tyson wrote a book about how astrophysics, as a relatively pure science, has depended heavily on military investment and the necessary technologies. This is an example of American exceptionalism. The book is titled Accessory to War, the Unspoken Alliance Between Astrophysics and the Military. It's a great read, but different from a lot of of Tyson's lively, popular astronomy writing, and it's a scholarly work with over 100 pages of noted citations. A little background. Astrophysics is a science that employs the methods and principles of physics in the study of astronomical objects and phenomena. In the last century, it was largely concerned with the origin of the universe and figuring out how the universe works over deep time. Astrophysics has figured out how stars like our sun work, how our planet and solar system was formed, predicted and located actual black holes, mapped dark matter, figured out how the galaxies were formed and work, and developed a good workable theory about how the universe we see was created. I find astrophysical research really interesting. Well, I knew about recent dual-use technologies between astrophysics and uh, the military. Tyson's thesis starts long ago. Navigating a ship at sea with the stars predates history, but 15th century European commerce, imperialism, and the naval battles that accompanied empires demanded improvement in the practice of celestial navigation. The monarchies commissioned scientists of the day to more precisely map the stars and design, manufacture better instruments, and started a century long struggle to reliably determine longitude from observing the stars. England's Royal Navy supported these researches in maintaining their empire, outfitting their ships of war and exploration with the best instruments, procedures, and reference tables available. Even today, the U.S. Naval Observatory, still a part of the U.S. Navy, has been our planet's most unified source for accurate positions of stars and the main analysts of how to use stars for navigation. While this seems a quaint organizational artifact, some military assets that fly through space use ultra-precise automated stellar navigation, a military advantage apparently worth the cost. The Navy has funded academic astronomical research for perhaps a century when it needed help getting to the next needed improvement for national defense. Galileo is famous as the first early scientist to study the sky with a telescope, but soon after, European military saw the tactical advantage of having telescopes at the front to see what the enemy was up to, and what had been mostly a curiosity, a telescope was now a weapon of war with every battleship and regiment. The militaries demanded and paid for the best optics, pushing industrial research to stay ahead of the foes' researchers. Artilleries, tanks, and submarines all depended on having the best optics. In Germany, the company, still known as Zeiss, produced some of the finest optical glass elements, a factor of the German military efforts in World War I and II spurring military investments in domestic optical manufacturing in other countries. As an amateur astronomer, I've seen this legacy. Dealers in used astronomical equipment usually had some military surplus optics, from eyepieces used in tank periscopes, I had one for a while, to large camera lenses used for airborne reconnaissance photography. They're really good, tough optics originally built to wage war. I could go on and on about this, but won't. I have ambivalent feelings about this military 
military connection, as does Professor Tyson in his book. To me, astronomy and astrophysics are some of the purest scientific researches, asking and trying to answer the fundamental questions of how our planet came to be and how the larger universe works. Yet this pure science would not be where it is today without the massive military investment in the technologies, and over the last hundred years, the technologies have been spectacular. As adults, we recognize every really important question, like do you believe in science is complicated? I urge you to grapple with this question. If you have any questions about science, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. It's time right now for the Texas Health Tip of the Week, sponsored by Texas Health Hospital, located at 287 and Lone Star Road. And Katrina Brown has something healthy on her plate. Katrina? We often get stuck in the planning phase of a healthier lifestyle. Finding the right gym membership, ordering the perfect athletic attire, shopping for that tasty organic substitute to replace what we really want to eat, when in reality there are a few things we can do right now to start moving towards a healthier lifestyle. Did you know that setting your alarm and waking up just five minutes earlier in the morning allows for a moment of peace and meditation before jumping into your busy day? We know meditation reduces stress, feelings of anxiety and depression, anger and confusion, but it also increases blood flow and slows the heart rate. It increases energy, reduces pain, and enhances the body's immune system. The best part is it provides a sense of calm, peace, and balance, and we could all use that before heading into work. But before you head out, be sure to eat a healthy breakfast. Smoothies are a quick and easy solution for some people on the go. Just be sure they contain a balanced amount of protein, healthy fats, and plenty of nutrients. Try your best to forego the smoothie mixtures that contain high amounts of sugar and empty carbs to avoid crashing mid-morning. When you get to work, opt for a parking spot a little further away instead of parking close to the building. This will burn a few calories on the way in. Once you get in the building, take the stairs instead of the elevator. Stair climbing can be accumulated across the course of the day, making a significant contribution to the recommended 30 minutes of daily physical activity. Even two flights of stairs climbed per day can lead to six pounds of weight loss over one year. There is a strong association between stair climbing and bone density. It helps you build and maintain healthy bones, muscles, and joints. And of course, stair climbing can help you achieve and maintain a healthy body weight. During the course of your day, be sure to stand and stretch often if you have a desk job. Many office workers are opting for an adjustable standing desktop. While there is not a big difference in the amount of calories you will burn standing versus sitting, there are other health benefits associated with the standing more than sitting, such as less back pain, increased blood flow, including to the brain, which helps you feel more focused, which leads to more productivity. Standing is also known to improve mood and increase energy level. When it comes to lunchtime at the office, the best bet is usually to pack your own healthy lunch to ward off the temptation of the local food establishment, where you may be tempted to go for the high-carb option in a futile effort to avoid the midday slump. But if you do decide to dine out, most restaurants these days have healthy options, so stay strong. A lot of companies these days offer a wellness or health program to their employees that usually include monetary incentives for making healthy choices. So be sure to ask your company's rep and see if you can't bank a little coin while making a big difference in your health. Be sure to wrap up your day at home with a healthy dinner and an evening walk. Walking in the evening and after your last meal of the day will ensure cooler temperatures, less risk of sunburn, promote effective digestion, and help you sleep better. Don't forget the bug spray, though. This is Texas, and the mosquitoes will carry you away. As you can see, there are a multitude of ways to improve your health even during your busy workday. 
So until next time, stay healthy, Mansfield. On behalf of Texas Health Hospital Mansfield and reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Katrina Brown. In a world where people have thousands of questions about improving and repairing their homes, one man has the answers. It's time right now for the Ask Terry segment. Terry Radzwin is our resident home improvement specialist, and he answers your questions about the place that you call home. Terry? Our question today comes from Steve, no, not that one, who writes, what should I look for in upgrading to energy-efficient windows? That's a big question, Steve, because window options are many, and some of the ones that various window sellers tout are, in fact, redundant or not necessary at all. It's a big investment, so you want to do it right, both on the upfront investment and the ongoing performance of the windows. There's a lot to unpack here, so I'm going to be longer than usual with the answers. The first and most important thing you need to consider is not the style of the windows, the material the frames are made of, or the overall aesthetic. It's the glass. The best choice for our area is what we call high-performance, low-E glass. High-performance, or HP, refers to any glass product that's enhanced in some way to make it do its job better than regular glass. That could refer to anything from tempered glass, which crumbles into little pieces instead of big shards when it's broken, to glass that's modified to improve energy efficiency. For our purposes, we're referring to the latter type of glass. Low E is short for low emissivity, and it's the key part of this equation. Low E glass uses super thin layers of metallic particles adhered to the glass to block and reflect certain thermal frequencies from coming through the glass. Depending on the number of layers, the coating can reflect long wavelength frequencies, heat, from coming in through the glass and admit only short wavelength frequencies, the visible light spectrum, into the building. Depending on the desired effect, the coatings can be applied to both the outside and inside surfaces of the glass, allowing it to reflect heat or cold back away from the home and reflect the interior temperature back inside. The low E formulations used in the United States are specific to the regions of the country depending on the angle the sun sits at in the sky, so it's important to select the version of low E glass made for the southern or southwest part of the U.S. Now, as to layers. There are window companies out there that seem to think that the more pieces of glass in a window, the better. The reason we add layers of glass to a window is because glass in and of itself is a conductor of heat and cold. Single pane glass serves no purpose but to let light in and to allow you to see out. Even with a low E coating applied, the glass will still conduct heat and cold to some extent, and you won't really see any energy efficiency from a single pane low E window. Double pane glass, on the other hand, is definitely a difference maker. Originally, it was thought that just having two panes of glass was enough to create a thermal break or a barrier that would trap the heat and cold in the space between the two pieces of glass. Most manufacturers used a metal spacer to create the gap in between panes, so what you ended up with was a heat and cold conductor, metal, being used between two layers of conductor, glass, so you ended up with no benefit. Over the years, rubber gasketing material was added to the metal spacer, helping reduce the connectivity. The real breakthrough happened when researchers discovered that introducing a gas that's heavier than air but didn't change the light spectrum or visibility through the glass would help keep heat and cold from transmitting via the glass surfaces. That gas turned out to be argon. 
Most high-efficiency windows now, as a result, have two low E panes of glass separated with an argon gas-filled layer. Some window sellers try to convince consumers that there's a value to adding a third layer of glass. In reality, the thermal benefit of the additional glass and argon gas is extremely minimal. You don't get much for the extra money. Further, the additional layer of glazing adds weight to the window, putting extra stress on the mechanical hardware and possibly shortening the lifespan of the window's operating function. Just don't do it. As far as style, common sense tells us that the most efficient type of window is one that doesn't open. A permanently sealed opening doesn't suffer from weather stripping or gasket material failing over time from the constant rubbing caused by use, so fixed or picture windows would be the ultimate inefficiency. That's why you see them so commonly in commercial buildings where lowering operating costs for the building is highly prized. If everyone in an office were opening their windows on days when the heating system was making it too hot to be comfortable, the heating system would keep working harder to compensate, and the building's utility costs would jump. But we, in our homes, want to be able to let the cool breeze in when it happens and to let some warm air in on those winter days when the sun hits just right. So we have operable windows in our homes. The most efficient of those would be casement or awning windows, which are typically a single or double sash that's opened with a crank to a maximum fixed angle. Because the sash compresses against a flexible weather strip when it's shut like your entry door does, the chances of air moving past the edges of the sash are minimized. Next in line would be single or double-hung sash, which have been the most popular through America's history. They're the ones that go up and down and allow for the most airflow when they're open. The way they open and close and can be designed to have the sash interlock make them a pretty efficient window as well. The least efficient of common residential windows are sliders, and unfortunately they're used all too often as replacement windows. They aren't really appropriate to use stylistically on most styles of homes, with mid-century modern being the big exception. Now, material is a subject that's always highly debated, but one thing is clear. Metal is never the best choice in extreme climates like ours. It conducts heat and cold. While it allows for structural strength and a thin profile to the framing, allowing for more glass area, the thermal negatives make it a bad choice for Texas homes. The big debate is between the natural beauty of wood and the versatility of vinyl. I personally love the appearance of a wood window on the interior of a home. Stained wood gives you a warm look that you can't achieve with any other window material, and the vinyl exterior cladding options offered by some manufacturers will give the maintenance-free outdoor surface that's pretty appealing to those who hate painting. Wood also conducts heat and cold minimally, so it's a good energy-efficient choice as well. Vinyl will give you many of the same structural and energy-efficient benefits and a similar appearance, especially when the cavities inside the vinyl frame are filled with insulating material. Vinyl is also definitely less expensive on the purchase side than wood. The interior appearance, however, is cold and flat to me. Most vinyl surfaces don't take paint well either, so a lot of times you end up with a screaming white window in the middle of of the wall that you carefully selected a deep or a bright color for. All in all, Steve, you've got a lot of things to think about. I hope I've been able to point out some of the hot button issues you need to look at when you've got that commissioned window salesperson sitting in your living room. Challenge them and make them prove their product with facts before you make the investment. And thanks for the question. Listeners, if you've got a home improvement question or project for me, let's get it on the air and hash it out. You can reach me by email at askterry at aboutmansfield.com or on my Facebook page at AskTerryAMPodcast or my Twitter at AskTerryAMPod. 
We'll talk again soon. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Home Improvement Specialist Terry Radswin. As always, Brian Certain likes to take a little bit of this and a dash of that for his cocktail of the week. Today's concoction is no different. Brian? This week's cocktail of the week is the Seelbach cocktail. The Seelbach is a combination of bourbon, triple sec, bitters, and topped with sparkling white wine. The cocktail is named after the Seelbach Hotel in Louisville, Kentucky, which was briefly mentioned in F. Scott Fitzgerald's novel, The Great Gatsby. In 1995, Adam Seeger, who was in charge of the hotel bar at the time, came up with a signature cocktail for the bar with an elaborate story behind it. The story involved a New Orleans couple who were on their honeymoon at the hotel in 1912. The man ordered a Manhattan, the woman ordered a champagne cocktail, and the Seelbach cocktail was born from the bartender's clumsiness of actually spilling the champagne into the Manhattan. The cocktail was covered in various news outlets and spirit books, including the new classic cocktails, a 1997 book by Gaz Reagan and Marty Reagan. It was also in Forgotten Cocktails by drink historian Ted Haig. Siegler, who left the hotel in 2001, decided to come clean and revealed that not only had he concocted the drink, but also the story behind it. He explained to the New York Times that I was a nobody. I had no previous accolades in the bar world, and I knew I could make a great drink, and I wanted this to be a promotion for the hotel, and I felt like the hotel needed a signature cocktail. I mean, how can you have a place that F. Scott Fitzgerald hung out in that doesn't have a damn cocktail? But don't worry about taking notes, as I'll be giving the ingredients and instructions always posted on bourbongospel.com. This week's cocktail, the Seelbach. What you're going to need, you're going to need one ounce of good bourbon, a half ounce of triple sec, you're going to need seven dashes of Agostura bitters, seven dashes of Peshad bitters, and five ounces of a domestic sparkling white wine, something like a Prosecco or a Spanish Cava or any American sparkling white wine. And then you're going to use an orange twist for the garnish. How do you make the drink? In a mixing glass, you're going to fill three quarters of it with ice. You're going to combine the bourbon, the triple sec, both of the bitters, and stir into well chilled, about 30 seconds. You're going to strain that mixture into a champagne flute, and then you're going to top with the sparkling wine. Rub the long orange twist around the rim and let it hang off the side of the flute. The Cocktail of the Week is proudly sponsored by The Vault, located at 2300 Matlock Road at the corner of Country Club and Matlock. Don't have the ingredients for a Seelbach? Head over to The Vault, where one of their craftsmen will stir your featured Cocktail of the Week, the Seelbach. As always, I'm open to hear your take and input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad. But too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Congratulations to Jessica Witten, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. What year did the Mansfield Historical Museum open? Jessica knew that it was 2003, and she has won $25 in Primo Bucks, good at either El Primo's or The Vault. After the break, this week's trivia question... I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. The Texas Health Tip of the Week was sponsored by Texas Health Hospital Mansfield, located at 287 and Lone Star Road.
Introducing Texas Health Hospital Mansfield, an all-new, all-modern healthcare campus, now serving Mansfield and our nearby communities. With advanced care for women and infants, orthopedics, heart and vascular, a 24-7 ER, and more. Experience care you'll love right where you love living. Texas Health Mansfield, now open at 287 and Lone Star Road. Learn more at texashealth.org backslash Mansfield. Hey, it's Steve Casillo, and I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities. can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows such as Ask Philip, On the Mark, Grown and Unfiltered, and Daughter of the Other Woman, just to name a few, and handles post-production duties for remote clients such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and epic voices and conversations from Palm Springs. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 right here in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast or if you're just looking for a better place to record podcast mansfield recording studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com that's podcastmansfield.com hi this is philip DeGroat, and you're listening to about mansfield it's time right now for the highly coveted wildly popular mansfield trivia question the first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a 25 dollars gift card to either el primo's or the vault located at the corner of Matlock and Country Club Drive. It's where the locals go, whether it's for fajitas and a blue margarita or a juicy ribeye and a handcrafted cocktail. You can find them on the internet at elprimos.net. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, fishing is available at several Mansfield parks and open to the public year-round during regular business hours. But anglers over the age of 17 must carry a valid Texas fishing license. This week's trivia question is, how much does an annual freshwater fishing license for a Mansfield resident under the age of 65 cost? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, how much is an annual freshwater fishing license for a Mansfield resident under the age of 65? Good luck, and thanks to Lindsay at El Primo's for the gift card. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And with us today, not in studio, but she is she is the only three-time part one, part two, part three guest here on About Mansfield. And she now is the first two-time guest here on About Mansfield. We welcome live from Boquete, Panama, Sarah Zink. Welcome back to About Mansfield. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> well, you know, did you see the look on my face when you said the only three times? And I'm like, oh my gosh, what has he uncovered? <laughs> That's right. We we had a we talked what probably four or five, six months ago, and we talked for well over an hour and we chopped that up into part one, part two, and part three. And uh, part three was actually 
talking about you and Larry planning your your move to Boquete, and 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 so uh, that's why we're having you on the the episode today is because today October fourteenth, this is the day that uh, that we are recording this segment. This you have now lived in Panama for one month. You you moved on September fourteenth. Yes. And uh, ironically, it was literally uh, four weeks to the day. So we came on a Thursday. We got here uh, to this house on a Thursday. And so it happens to be a Thursday when we're recording this. So it's kind of cool. All right. Yeah. We love it. Absolutely love it here. So it's been a month. Wanted to have you back and and talk about uh, uh, the the process of why you moved or how you moved. And and so, you know, let's let's just go back and well, you know, I think I would be remiss if I did not mention that we uh, it's it's uh, it's October when we're recording this. So right. um, it was October 20 years ago that we were married in the house that we lived in in Mansfield. And we lived so 20 years in Mansfield. And uh, the the uh, path to moving to Panama uh, seems kind of simple, but let me back up and say why Panama, you know, we had a list of five criteria, uh, that we wanted in a, anywhere that we moved. Larry and I had traveled a bit and we always wanted to retire someplace tropical, you know, Cozumel, Progresso, Roatan, any of those places you normally go to, but our five criteria were, uh, you know, cost of living, safety, healthcare, the culture, and then the exchange rate uh, between the U.S. dollar and whatever the uh, uh, money was in that particular country. Mm-hmm. And there was no country that actually fulfilled all five criteria for us. So in 2019, we said, well, I guess we're not going to retire anywhere, but we can, but we can travel. Right. (laughs) Except. (laughs) And the universe said, yeah, nah, no, not going to happen. So 2020, um, no traveling. And we, uh, I, I will not claim that, that 2020 was rough in the sense that some people experienced rough, but it was a, it was a tough year in, in a lot of different ways. And as I've read, you know, we, we were not all in the same boat. We were all in the same storm. So, um, some people had it worse and I acknowledged that, but for, for Larry and I, it was just, a trying to figure out, okay, what is the new normal? What is our retirement going to look like? This is certainly not how, you know, we had planned to retire. Right. right. And, uh, and then again, no matter which side of the political spectrum you're on, November was a rough month. January 6th was rough. February in Texas was deadly and, uh, something snapped for me. Uh, around the right after the freeze. And, and I just, I was trying to think of, of a way out. Where can we go? This, this is that craziness, right? So a good friend of mine, she and her husband have been looking at Panama for literally years. And it was Friday. I'll not forget these dates. It was Friday the 19th and she and I were having a video chat. And I said, so tell me about this Panama thing. (laughs) And and she did, she gave me some resources. And one of them was the company that we ultimately used to help us move, which is called Panama relocation tours. And this is Friday the 19th of what month? Okay. February. February. So you're still yeah, uh, seven months away. 
Yes. Okay. And uh, so Friday the 19th of February, uh, I started research. I stayed up all night doing research and uh, I presented all my information to Larry. And on February the 26th, we said, yeah, we, this is this is it. This is what we had been looking for. And so if you can imagine from February the 26th to September the 14th, we had to sell 90 5% of our stuff, uh, get all of our documents ready to send to the attorney, sell the house, sell our vehicles, uh, you know, get all of your, you just don't realize how much stuff you have. <laughs> right? And so it literally took us three months to sell the stuff we weren't taking. Sure. I, I believe it was George Carlin who said, uh, houses are, are, are made to store stuff. And, and when you run out of space to store stuff, you buy a bigger house to store your stuff. And right, right. Exactly. So little by little, uh, you, you wind up with more stuff. That's right. You had, you had garage sales, you had fire sales, you were giving stuff away. I was the recipient of a, a, a bag sure. of equipment and, uh, yeah, the let's, let's talk about the, the moving process then you first of all what documents did you have to get in in so i'm sure i'll miss some and and i, I but because everybody's situation is different so let me start off with that so for us we had to have a marriage certificate because to move to Panama, you have the kind of visa that we were getting is called a pensionado visa, which means um, that you can prove that you have lifetime income from either Social Security or a government. Uh, it can't just be your 401k. It has to be a pension from an established mm -hmm. uh, body. So you have to prove that and you have to get an FBI uh, background check and you have to uh, get your, um, uh, for us, I had to have a notarized, certified, authenticated, they have this thing called apostilled, which is what the uh, Panamanian consulate will do. Uh, I mean, there's just, there's such a myriad amount of paperwork that has to get done. So for us, there was probably about five to six documents. Some people have to have as many as 10. Now that's just for us. There's different documentation because we brought three dogs. Oh, more so, documents. There's people documents and pet documents. So for <laughs> us, it, it literally uh, was so smooth. And, you know, this is my theory on this. And, and some people have a real devil of a time and, and that could be for any number of reasons. But for us, it was so smooth. You know, when you, you know, when you're doing the right thing, when things just go, it just flowed. Everything flowed so easily. So we got our documents, got copies, got them authenticated, notarized, apostilled, you know, all that. Right. And then we had to ship them to our attorney in Panama. And then he starts the process of getting what's called a temporary visa. And okay. so we just picked those up about uh, um, October the 1st. We picked those up. And you can stay now. Now you're you're a legal yeah. resident in Panama. We are a temporary legal resident. When we get our permanent visa, which can take anywhere from three to four months, that's when we're officially welcome to stay. And then there's one more uh, document or, or, or card, I guess it's called an e-cedula. Mm -hmm. And that's really respected by the people in Panama. And that's what we want to go after. It, it, it's a little bit more difficult to get, but it shows the Panamanians that you're you're serious about staying and that's, that's next. So we have a, a process to go through. We have to get 
the permanent before we can go and get the other one. You mentioned that part of the part of the moving process, part of preparing to move, was selling ninety five percent of your belongings. Now, what were you allowed right. to bring? So this is a, again, and you know. <laughs> I hate to keep defaulting to this, but everybody's situation is wildly different. So for us, uh, I had done, I'm a bit of a research uh, aficionado. So I got in touch with people I didn't know and interviewed them. And I got in Panama groups of expats who had moved from the U.S. to Panama. And one of the big questions I asked a lot was, what do you wish you would have brought? And so a lot of the answers, you know, some people literally move down to Panama with five suitcases. They have sold all their stuff and they plan on buying new when they get here or just doing without. Because, again, we discussed that. How much stuff do you need? Right. (laughs) And I should emphasize that most of the rentals, whether they're apartments or homes, come fully furnished. And I mean, sheets, towels. Uh, um, you know, plates, cookware, all that. So you really don't have to bring, in most cases, you don't have to bring anything. But for us, this is, you know, our retirement move. We're not moving. We're not pre-retirement. We're not snowbirds. We're not going to go back and forth between Panama and the U.S. This is a permanent move for us. And so we had to decide. So for us, the deciding factor was I'm a, I wanted to quilt. My vision of loveliness was moving down to Panama and making quilts and giving them away to charity. And Larry's vision of loveliness was to come down here and cook, uh, you know, smoke, uh, smoke meat on his smoker and just, you know, us just be. And so we packed our container with that in mind. We decided that what we were going to bring were the things that were important to us. Now, again, let me reemphasize. Some people move down here with five suitcases. Right. We, we went with a moving company and we got a 20 foot container. So we filled up a 20 foot container and that was mostly with my quilting stuff and his smoker and his desk and things like that. So if it didn't fit the criteria of what were we going to bring down to Panama, then we sold it. So we're talking about things like your kids don't want your memorabilia. Your kids don't want your grandma's China. Your kids don't want, you know, all the things from every, every uh, trip you ever went on that you had to have that conch shell. Right. Is there anything that you sold or gave away that you regret? Not one, not one, Uh, not one. Now that's because again, the amount of research that we did, we spent a lot of, a lot of time. And I say a lot of time and we moved in fairly quickly, but we spent a lot of time talking to people who had moved. And one lady had distinctly regretted selling her Christmas, her mercury glass Christmas ornaments. And one guy had just grieved selling tools and stuff. So we made sure not to make those mistakes. So I can honestly say that there's, there's things that to answer you fully and completely transparently, there were things that I wish we would have found value in to bring. Right. Right. But there's nothing that we got rid of that I feel like we shouldn't have. 
Was there anything in the container when it arrived in Panama? Still don't have the container. Oh, you? Do? Oh, that was that was one of my questions. Was okay. how? Okay, you. So, <laughs> all right. That's that's going to be that's going to be part three. Is when you open up this container like Christmas. Why did we bring that? Oh, we ex- we fully expect that to happen. Um, I mean, there's things, and I've already pre-sold some things that I know I'm not going to need, <laughs> right? And uh, and we we found there's a local ha- uh, charity that services the handicapped that we're going to donate. We know we brought clothes. Like, who doesn't, you know, clothes? We, you go on a trip, you pack too many clothes, right? And the weather here is so consistent, and that's difficult. When you grew up in the U.S. and you have such wild fluctuations, you know, with seasons or even in Texas, you know, from the morning to afternoon, right? You need, you know, winter coat in the morning and your, you know, your swimsuit in the afternoon. Here, the temperature is a lot more stable. And so we know we overpacked in those areas. So we, we've already sold some stuff that it hadn't even got here yet. And we also have some things, a place that we know we can donate stuff. So you've been there a month. When do you expect your cargo case to, uh, to yeah. arrive? So uh, they picked up our shipping container on September the 6th. And uh, because of the global issue of transportation and, and truck drivers and, and that kind of stuff, the, uh, uh, the current date, uh, we were supposed to get it this past weekend. And then they said it was going to be, uh, this coming week in the 16th. And now it's the 30th. So we expect to get it at the end of October. So it'll be almost 60 days from when we last saw our stuff. There's probably a cargo ship just right off the coast of Panama. That's been sitting there for two weeks waiting to dock just like off the coast of Los Angeles. That's right. Now, here's the beauty of our company that we used. Uh, They've given us the name of the ship that has our stuff and a link so that we can see where it is at any given time. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's called the Maersk, M-A-E-R-S-K, Kalamata. And so right now it's in Miami, and I'm sure it's on onloading some stuff. But yeah, we're, believe me, I am watching that ship like a hawk. <laughs> it's got my stuff. I want to know where it's at. We're talking with Sarah Zink, former Mansfield resident turned expat, and we will conclude our interview next week, where you will also hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and weather. Until then, don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, share, love, support. Enjoy this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporters, Stacey Main and Dennis Webb. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Texas Health Tip, Katrina Brown. Home Improvement Feature, Terry Radswin. Cocktail of the Week Feature, Brian Certain. Post-Production Editing, Mixing, and Mastering, Steve Casillo. I thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this... is about Mansfield. Mansfield.